Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy. Crime. LGBT. Thriller. You have now entered the House of Mystery with your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and Al Warren. Heard on FM Riverside and 105.0 And uh, joining us is uh, author Patrick M. Annandale. Um, thank you for being here. Thank you very much for having me on your show. So, um, the stupid party. <laughs> Um, yes. <laughs> what, what? How did you come up, or did you come up with that name? And if you did, what's it? What's it represent? No, I did not come up with the name. That would be uh, Bobby Jindal, who was criticizing his own party. And the moment he said it, you know, everybody realized, my God, he probably shouldn't have said it, but he's touched on a truth, and um, therefore I, you know, I used that title, that name, because I wanted to explore that truth further. Uh, the truth being, obviously, the eradication of critical thinking, uh, which has gone down precipitously, especially since the year 2000. Mm. Now, so when we when we talk about that, when we talk about the uh, um, the idea of uh, critical thinking, and and it's not happening in the in the party of Republicans, um, how how do people become manipulated so easily? On such like you know, clear logic and clear, simple facts of things, but yet they um, they don't well, follow I, it. I, th- I think that it started off fairly slowly with you know obviously Fox News and Steve Bannon and all the rest. But what's really I think made it rise exponentially is that we as the human race, we as people, American voters, uh, don't really have an immunity to some of the new 
measures being taken to manipulate us, and that the uh, new forms of social media that have exploded, uh, foreign agents taking advantage of uh, uh, us in a way that we, we weren't prepared for. I think going forward, we'll get better at it. Um, hopefully getting forward, we're beginning to learn the importance of fact-checking. I mean, especially people, I mean, not so much Trump, Trump voters, obviously, they haven't got close to figuring this out yet. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to become really important for society to, like, take measures to make sure that news is more accurate and that people start respecting uh, professional journalists to, to a slightly larger extent and that not anybody with a keyboard and a bit of financing and an idea should necessarily be listened to as gospel. Yeah, that seems to be a big problem. Um... Uh, you know, it used to be if you were on a network or part of a uh, strong news organization, you were respected uh, somewhat. But now the more involved you are, the less respected you are. You know, people like Alex Jones get uh, um, big support, and uh, it confuses me over and over. And, and But you say we're going to get better at it, but how come uh, things like... Well, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not suggesting that, that I'm particularly that, that optimistic, but I think by natural... You know, when, when you're really hit by a wave that comes as a real surprise, I think that we're able to adapt somewhat, and I think there will be adaptive measures. And I think people will start stressing and teaching what, what re fact, fact research is all about and how you do it. And I think this is going to become really important. So if you see a headline in a newspaper that fits into your parameter, your, your worldview, way too neatly, and it's coming from an obscure source, you really need to double-check that source. And, I th and we're doing it as a study already. We, you know, you have meetings with friends and whatever. You're, you sort of fact-check them on the spot. So you sort of already in your personal life, you're getting a bit more careful before you spill a number or you spill a, a supposed fact because you know somebody can, can come right back at you that moment. So you tend to, people already around me and myself included, you always say, look, um, this is what I believe. I may have gotten it slightly wrong, but this is what I read from this source. And, and you just you just have to be more careful. Hmm. I just noticed, but with the um, the, the the recent pipe bomb um, thing going out to all the different um, uh -huh. major Democrats or supporters, you might say, of Democrats. And you had the bombing this morning. Right. Exactly. So I, I'm it's all the same. It's, all, it's precisely the same thing. It's a pattern that was obvious and it was bound to end in this in this scenario. You've had a pattern of, of uh, domestic terror, primarily coming from two thirds of it coming from the right wing, uh, and one third coming from also what I describe as right wing Quran-inspired in type moves, um, because uh, that that religion is a, is an extreme right wing form of a religion, and you've got like one leftist attack. Um, I think it was a hostage person who didn't didn't really, who didn't injure his hostages. So basically, the left obviously had the Unabomber years and years ago, but the left, generally speaking, does not do this thing. They don't, they're not interested in killing people. Um, so these domestic terror attacks are coming from the right, and now, obviously, since Trump was elected, you've got this white supremacist who have been unleashed and are out in the open, and they're making bolder and bolder statements. You've got the President of the United States who, who rationalizes Kristallnacht in Char Charlottesville when they had those killings there because of the, the Nazi rallies. Um, they tried to deny anybody, any critical thinker would have known that this pipe bomber would have come from the right. Um, because you know, it just makes no sense. It's just a stupid thing to do because it's counterproductive. I mean, if I wanted to, you know, the last thing, I mean, I may dislike Trump immensely, but the last thing you want to do is sort of assassinate him because that now suddenly people become sympathetic to his 
hateful causes. So it's just so kind of, violence is just so counterproductive. But people, you know, the right wing brain, which is more conservative, more fearful, um, and less, they don't, they don't really understand that. It's such resonance. So it's highly unlikely you're going to get these, these attacks from the left. I mean, I think the left would have to be pushed even further than they're being pushed right now to, to engage in that type of thing. And, the type, and you know, the, 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 when they do commit violence in the past, which has been a long time, hasn't happened a lot, you know, it's for animal rights or whatever it is. So it's, this is a right-wing driven thing being uh, exponentially increasing as a result of the, the rise of Trump. Yeah, but the, the thing is, when we were on air yesterday and things were coming down, um, right away, even even one of my co-hosts and a lot of people that are on the right side, um, their first comments were things like, "Oh, it's just too easy. This is set up. A guy with a you know Trump van and." and well, they they always say that. I mean, when you had, when you had the John Deere uh, abortion, I think it was a bombing or a killing, whatever it was, um, Colorado or whatever. You know, they said he was a transgender leftist. Well, clearly this guy was. was they just made this up on the fly. The guy was a gun nut. Um, uh, anti a pro-lifer uh, fundamentalist, and that's always a very deadly position to be on, because pro-lifers, if they're fundamentalist about it, they're actually pro-death on, on so many levels, including increasing the amount, number of abortions uh, as a result of their agenda. So they're always going to come up with, they just live in this conspiracy theory world where they can say whatever they want without any evidence. You know, obviously what they should have done with this guy is just wait a few hours before before opining, because everybody who's opined on that guy since is now shown with tremendous clarity to be an idiot. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, I just, I just wonder how we can get people to uh, uh, to not just jump into that conspiracy. Um, I mean, false flags I, I, have become very big in every, anytime something happens. Well, that's always the right wing dream: false flags. And they'll go, and the right wing will try, will actually try and do that. You have, you know, Project Veritas and all the rest who will try and set people up. And they will, they will, they may be trying to incite the left to violence or they may be commit violence pretending to be leftists. So you're going to get that full flag and you, but you're going to get it from the right. And the, the, the left is smart, you know, being progressive, generally speaking, tend to be better critical thinkers. And it'd be pretty damn dumb of them to, to engage in that, and they're baited at such a level you can almost not blame them. So when you see fascists rally through your high street, it's very tough not to go down there and engage. And I, and I'm, and I think one probably should engage with uh, a fascist rally in your high street. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, it's, just, it's just where people come from. And then, and then with all of the fake news and that, that you know, Donald, Donald Trump really um, you know, promoted and sold that to a lot of people. Um, so without listening, people automatically assume you're fake news. Yeah, and now I think these people have got to ask themselves how we've gotten to this position. And I think you've got to ask yourself, like, um, how do people become on the left, right become so massively ignorant? And I think people on the left need to stress this more. How come that 90% of Trump supporters still think that uh, Obama increased their taxes? How do you, how do you think that 65% of Trump's supporters still think Iraq was behind 9-11. Uh, there are like they're endless statistics. I mean, they only like 25, well, I've forgotten the number now, but only 25% of Trump's supporters believe in evolution. 
I, I, I may have misquoted that number, but I, I got it on a blog I just put up today on my website, stupidpartyland.com. So you can see the numbers. You can see just massive, massive ignorance. And you've got to ask, how did this happen? And I think it's happened because of the rise of fake news. And, you, and these guys have got to ask themselves, how did I get to be? Once they've, the fact is rammed down their throats, surely they, at one point in time, they're going to ask themselves, how did I get so massively the wrong end of the stick? And now that you've got people, pipe bombs, and you've got another attack on synagogues, and you've got the white, the white supremacists reigning supreme, almost, um, and it, apart from the fact you have school shootings like virtually every day, gun massacres virtually every day, when will people start asking, shall I look at the facts? Do guns make me sick? Do more guns equal more safety? And they don't. And you've got to start looking at these facts. I'm not saying guns should be removed. I'm not saying guns are always a bad thing. I'm not saying that every part of the country would be safer with less guns. But generally speaking, less guns equals less gun accidents, deaths, suicides, and whatever. Um, and really, uh, so, so I think those people, at some point, when maybe you've got enough deaths going on, you've got enough abortion, you've got maternity deaths rising all the time because of this medieval view about abortion. And this is the only country in the world where maternal, maternal deaths are increasing. Everything else is, every, every other country in the world, they're dropping dramatically. And people have got to ask themselves, how do we get to this point? How do we get to this point where America is sort of a laughing stock in the planet? How do we get to the point where America has only got three, three allies left, you know, Putin dictators, Putin, the Philippines, and maybe Netanyahu of, of Israel? That's it. Right, right. Well, they've, they've, they've certainly been tough on their, their allies, you know. The allies have, hold American total contempt. They'll carry on playing their part for the sake of global security for the time being, but America is held in contempt by every developed country in this planet. Yeah, yeah, it's terrible. And, and um, you now we have to talk about then religion and, and how religion seems <laughs> to be in control of, well, of the right and, the, and Trump. It seems to be very... Well, that's, that's quite easy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to explain it because it's so important. Obviously, you know, the evangelicals specifically, 80% of them vote for Trump. It's the strongest voting bloc. And you cannot be a Trump supporter and a Christian. And I say that because what is a Christian? A Christian is a person who follows the teachings of Jesus Christ. Now, if you want to follow the teachings of the Old Testament, which just gives you a bit more leeway, you can certainly go become uh, join another religion uh, you know if you want if you want a bit more leeway with violence and aggression maybe your man is muhammad but jesus himself clearly said turn the other cheek look after the sick help the poor and the one time he lost his temper was at the uh, with the money changes so it's, so the question is how did jesus get hijacked by the church not just by americans by the catholic church for a lot of it uh, and i've written a a chapter about that in my book, uh, Deliverance, explaining how Jesus got hijacked, how Christianity became misogynist. Because if you just go back to the New Testament, it's very, very simple. And these people, like Ted Cruz, like Mike Huckabee, like Pat Robertson, they are not Christians. God, or Jesus, does not speak through vile human beings. Hmm. 
And and um, how far does it go? Like, what's your thought on the Pope? I like the Pope. Okay. It's the first decent Pope the Catholic Church has had in living memory. Um, he's trying to, right now, some of the uh, New York bishops uh, who are reactionary and awful are trying to bring him down with, with various sorts of, sort of fake scandals. But the Pope has, I mean, it's not perfect. I mean, there's plenty in the Catholic Church, church is still patently absurd, uh, like contraception, against being contraceptive. It's patently absurd. But the Pope has just done an awful lot to walk back Catholic dogma, dogma from being extreme to being uh, and being f- far more practical, uh, religion far more in touch with what Jesus Christ stood for. And remember, Jesus Christ, the New Testament, the Old Testament was never pro-life. The Old Testament was pro-death. You didn't count as a person until you're like one month old. I can, there's, they didn't care. The Old Testament didn't care. And this notion about a grain of sand in a woman's uterus being more vital than the mother's health, the, her children's health, the health of American society, healthcare in general, people on death row, or people who are going to be executed, uh, raging war, the fact that, or a pig at three and a half, who has got the same mental age as a three and a half year old being tortured throughout its life, that those life forms are less valid than a grain of sand in somebody's womb is outrageous. Hmm. And, and but a lot of them, are, um, I hear this a lot being in, in the media uh, about um, the belief of Trump, as in, you know, God sent him. Uh, we're going to let God uh, choose. Well, obviously, you know, that's just people who are just, totally, you know, like they, they got so many layers of delusion that they become, you know, like an onion, as I explained in my book, and they've entered into an intellectual vegetative state. It doesn't sound promising. <laughs> well, at some point, the, the, the amount, as their circular arguments shrink, the circle becomes ever shrinking, and the amount of people will tolerate them. And uh, you know, their kids are going to eventually abandon these old fossils. Um, in many cases, uh, you know, they're going to find their life becoming more lonely, more miserable, and more bitter. And you know, if they're if they're still believing in this notion of their dying breath that somehow Trump was anything to do with Christianity. Yeah, then you know, obviously, there's no hope for anybody. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's right. It doesn't sound promising. And 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 I see a lot of the you know the religious freedom uh, acts and stuff, uh, and and trying to make things um, slowly uh, difficult or or illegal, like you know, uh, gay marriage and uh, abortion and things like that. And and they're doing it for the religious freedom argument, right? Uh, but it's not. But it's not religious freedom because it's not representative of of, say, the real Christian uh, church. So, you know, Jesus, there, there may have been some, some stuff in the Old Testament about homosexuality, but the stuff in the New Testament, is, if there is any, is extremely obscure. And we could, one could also argue that, you know, Jesus himself probably would have been very tolerant of homosexuality. I mean, there's a band of 12 disciples, and most of them, only one or two had wives, and one or two, one of them at least was homophobic. Um, but, you know, there was no evidence of Jesus himself being uh, anti-homosexual or whatever. Uh, not, not one word about that. Hmm. So it's not a biblical, it's not a Christian value. And, you know, people who use the Old Testament God, they, they basically what they're saying, I can believe anything I want, because you can interpret anything you want 
from the from the Old Testament. And maybe I don't. I haven't studied the Quran. Maybe that's the same problem with the Quran. I don't know. The ability to interpret so that oh, God is speaking to me. Therefore, I can really say whatever I want. It's like Judge Moore saying that he, he as a judge saying God's law is more important than the laws of the land. But God's law, if you believe in the Old Testament, can be anything you want it to be. Right. Are we getting or is, now? So is the uh, the Republican Party really becoming a religion party? Um, is that is well? That's it, all they've got. I mean, it's been stated for decades. I mean, Hillary took a hit for it, and I think Obama may have implied it too. You know, they've got their guns and their their Bible. I mean, how do you get people to vote against their economic interests? How do you get Trump voters to vote against health care, to vote against Medicare, to vote against increasing the minimum wage? How, how to vote for tax cuts for the wealthy, knowing that that will create a deficit or then have to be repaid by getting rid of reducing benefits. How do you get people to think along those lines if you're not inciting their bigotry, racism, or fear? Hmm. I mean, if you take the issue, issue of immigration, um, it's very simple. Whose fault is immigration as a problem? It would be the Republican Party's fault. Because if you're against immigration... The solution is actually very simple. And I'm not saying one way or the other. But the, you've got to stop major companies from hiring illegal people. Now, the USS Chamber of Commerce, is, which is a Republican organ, is all for cheap labor and all for cheap foreign labor. And they, but on the other hand, they also fund con the congressmen. They, they, pay, they fund their campaigns. But they, they get the congressmen to blame the, the very same people they were, they're happy to have into the country to create cheap labor for their products. But at the end of the day, whether you're for or against immigration, legal or whatever, immigration is good for the economy. And I'm not sure many Republicans, I mean, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce understands that. The Republican Party would never admit that because they want their cake and eat it. They want the cheap labor, and, but they want to blame the immigrants for coming to the country so that, so that they, they can hide from all the other things they're doing wrong. Right, and, and with the, the new caravan, as they uh, market so well right now, that uh, it's coming to get us. <laughs> yeah, maybe, I mean, I'm really referring to the story. I mean, if you're fearful of, of, of a caravan of foreigners, it's really, it's, I'm not saying what the answer is. I haven't really studied the issue. Uh, I find it rather boring, to be honest. But if you're fear, if this causing you fear, it's something you, you've got a very conservative brain, which is designed to be fearful. So, uh, fearful for yourself. The conserv uh, conservatives are fearful for the individual. Uh, progressives are more fearful for uh, the group. They're more interested in protecting the group. So it's a less selfish fear type of fear. But yeah. the, the conservative and the, the progressive brain are scientifically proven to be different. But to be fearful of this caravan of people coming to this country is just pathetic. Yeah. <laughs> just... Now, and, and so how did it become like, you know, the Trump versus Clinton, but it was more about the the scandals, like, you know, the the way they made Clinton sound like lock her up and she's done all mm -hmm. of these atrocious things. And they still, yeah, okay, they still go on about her killing the rich, but I, can't, I just can't keep up with those nonsense. But here's, here's, here's the thing. I think the Republican Congress, since around 2000 at least, and has spent about $100 million investigating the Clintons for all these conspiracies, and they've come up with nothing. Um, the e and and you and every and then of course every presidential candidate who would have run against her 
whether it be uh, John McCain uh, or in 2012, I call it, it was Mitt Romney or whatever, um, and, and Obama himself. If there was merit to any of these things, they have all the resources of the party, all the finances to explore that and bring down a candidate. So if a combination of the Congress with taxpayer funds wasting $100 million cannot come up with anything concrete, you've got to just give it up. Uh, the, the, the notion of her foundation being corrupt in any way, there are organizations that study charities. And if there's anything fundamentally wrong with that charity, that's why you have rating agencies to watchdogs to keep an eye on charities to make sure they're doing charitable stuff like they say. She, her, their foundation gets A-rated from all of those watchdogs. There is nothing wrong with the foundation. The, the fact that wealthy people gave the foundation money is not a scandal. Hmm. Well, now, what, what drew you to write this book and to do this uh, website, Stupid Party Land? Because I knew that we were like really screwed, or America was really screwed. Because I went down to the, uh, I'd say in the 2004 election, um, I had figured out mathematically that the place to be was Cleveland, Ohio. So that's why I spent the last week up until that election. Uh, but I wasn't the only person to figure that out. Uh, Carl Rove had figured it out with Ken Blackwell, uh, the Ohio Secretary of State, and they had visited Cleveland just two or three days prior to the election and realized that that was the pivotal place to be. And they, what they'd done was they'd reduced, made it far more difficult for minorities to vote. They'd reduced voting machines and location, changed voting locations. It's made it confusing and all that. And then probably started talking about other things like criminal records and all the rest, which you're still allowed to vote in most cases if you have most types of criminal record. So they did everything they could to destroy the system. And I was there that night on election night in Cleveland, and it was pouring with rain. And even though people were highly motivated, um, I watched people stand in line for hours and then finally just give up and go home because they got problems in these minority areas. They got eviction notices in their, in their homes. They got kids probably, if they're left unattended too long, maybe doing bad things, already doing bad things. They got lots, a lot to handle, maybe a lot of single mothers or whatever. And they can't afford to spend four or five hours in, light, in a rainy night. And I just saw droves of people leaving those lines. And somehow, Kerry lost, lost that Ohio election, even though, even though he was, by all polls, including exit polls, he was significant. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Yeah. And by the way, exit polls are very rarely wrong. Hmm. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's kind of a crazy situation. Uh, what do you want people to get out of your book? Um, well, first of all, I want them to realize that really, the, I think the stupid party itself has very little left going for it. What they always had until Trump, they maybe had three or four pillars of intellectual argument, which you could agree with or not agree with. And those, those pillars of intellectual integrity would have been free trade, strong national security, and fiscal discipline. Well, what's weird is in the weeks of Trump being elected, those three pillars of conservatism just were thrown out of the window. So really, they have nothing right now. They have no values. They're not patriots. I'm not a re, I'm not, I'm, I'm a multicultural person, but I'm a far better American than anybody who supports Trump. Wow, that's a statement. Uh, You, you, um, you talk about Nigel Farage and Brexit a lot. Uh, What do you think the British politics contributes to American? Well, studying Farage, which I did in a chapter of the book, I think is fascinating for both cultures, both American and English culture. Um, but what I think that Farage himself, and I don't think English people realize this, and they certainly don't understand his activities in the United States. So what really fascinated me, why would an English politician go and campaign for um, Roy Moore, who was at that time was not even endorsed by Donald Trump? What would make that happen? Well, you know, it turned out by doing research, it was Steve Bannon who probably pressured him to do it and all the rest. But what, so, so, so Nigel Farage himself would have been a huge fan of an English politician in the back 1960s called Enoch Powell, who was basically, at the time, was fairly respected, but he went for, he sort of became a, a bit of an extremist on immigration and became a bit fascist. And clearly, Nigel Farage wants that um, anti, strong anti-immigration immigration stance. And remember, immigration in, in England is a slightly different problem. It's a significantly different problem from immigration in the United States. There's two different types of issues. And, you know, there's far real, more real fear of 
of ISIS type people coming in in the, in the country and obviously there, there are numerous terror cells in the United States and I think there are probably very few terror cells, in the, sorry, numerous terror cells in the UK and, and very few terror cells in the, in the US. So Europe and England is way more exposed to Islamic fundamentalism than the Americans are. But Farage is very interesting because he, he's, he's like, he's a lot, what's so scary about him from my perspective, he's allowing the American right, the American hate to infiltrate into the British society. And he's doing it at the funding of this billionaire person who's really more responsible for any of the Trump's rise, this guy called Robert Mercer, who's a billionaire living on Long Island, who really just wants to rip up government, just make the government as ineffective and as useless as possible. So everybody just hates government. And he wants to bring down the whole notion of government. So it's Robert Mercer financing people like the Brexit campaign, helping Nigel Farage, breaking the US ele UK election laws by the amount of money they spend promoting their stuff. Um, so Brexit is a sort of echo effect of Trumpism. And it's very, very sad uh, what, what's happening to Great Britain now. Uh, I, think, I think the Brexit thing will probably... Uh, be delayed to such an extent that maybe it won't happen, who knows. But you know, obviously, one does not want Brexit from an economic point of view. Uh, Europe doesn't want it. England shouldn't want it. But there's, so there's now this massive confusion. But the linchpin behind all of that was Nigel Farage, who was, who was unleashed through like I call a parallel universe portal. He's unleashed this right-wing, uh, American right-wing nonsense into English culture. And it's very sad because there's so many things English people don't have to worry about. We don't really have to worry about rigged elections. We don't have to worry about pro-life polarization. We don't have to worry about voter suppression vote, uh, and stuff like that, and gerrymandering. We don't have these issues. And we don't, and we, a British MP is answerable to his constituents. He'll list his constituents. A US congressperson is not remotely interested in the opinions of their constituents. They're only interested in the, meeting the agenda of the people who finance their campaigns. American congressmen have to spend five and a half hours every day raising money. So of course they don't give a damn about what their constituents actually want. They don't listen to them, but they tell them what to think. And that's why you have so much irrational uh, stupidity in, in American politics. Yeah, I, I just don't know where it's going. Uh, and, and you don't know well, the, 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 okay, so where it's going is not good, and that's why I wrote this book, because I have found maybe a, an escape hatch. But, and the way you know it's not going good, you just look at one graph. You just look at something called income discrepancy trends. Not, I'm not complaining about income discrepancy. I'm a capitalist. But you look at income discrepancy trends and how they've been going for the, next, for the last 30 or 40 years, and then translate that, project it forward to the next 30 or 40 years. What does that mean if that's allowed to continue? A lot of people already argue America is no longer a democracy but an oligarchy. And, and they're probably correct. Now, as you get more and more money, more and more political power and fewer and fewer hands, you will get an oligarchy turning into a fascist state. That's the trend. Now, is there an opposing trend? There's, there's some good stuff happening as well, which I discussed in my book. Um, what, and without giving the game away, a lot of it is by looking at the wealth, the wealthiest Americans in 1985 and, what the, and how they got their money, compare that with the wealthiest Americans today and see what the trends will be over the next 
through year 2025. And you'll find some stunning numbers, but you'll find the really bad old fossil guys, the Koch brothers and Eagles in this world, people who made their money out of uh, polluting the planet or gaming or real estate or whatever it is, that's changing massively. So they, instead of having 85% of the power they're going to have, and the money, they're going to have 15% of the money. And money in American politics ultimately always wins. Hmm. So you're going to have to use money to save American democracy. I don't see the American voter who's now beaten into like, into sort of state of semi-unconsciousness. I just don't see them having the willpower to do what's absolutely necessary. And one of the most fundamental things they have to do is start removing money from politics. Hmm. And, I, and by the way, my book does mention, and it's not the solution, but it, it's not how we're going to get out of this, but it does have something called the smart party agenda. And, what, and even though there might be people listening to you furious at what I'm saying, my smart party agenda would attract the support of 80% of the American people. It's not a polarizing agenda. We all, know this, we all sort of know what we want. We have to ask why we're not getting it. Why is Congress not responding to the fact that 80% of the people want this, this, and this? Because it's not a democracy. They're not interested in the views of the, pop, the, the population. Yeah. And, and you, now, you describe a lot of times Americans as onions. Um, uh, well, I, 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 don't, I, I don't like, maybe I did by accident. Yeah. I, what I meant to say, and I, if I've said just Americans are onions, that's not what I'm, I don't think I did say that. What I'm saying is that Homo sapiens are like onions. And I, I had to wonder how come and how clearly we're not wise. We're running, we're running to our own doom. You know, we, mankind, most scientists would, would probably believe Stephen Hawkins in believing that we have a 50-50 chance of surviving the next 100 years through our own self-made destruction. So how come the human race can be so uh, unwise? You know, some things are really simple, like overfishing fish. I mean, why would you do that? Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's so counterproductive. Um, so, so I've studied why Homo sapiens have become the way they've become. And that goes back, you have to go back to the history of mankind, you have to go back hundreds of thousands of years to begin, to begin to understand. But it's obviously the belief, and a lot of it's to do with the belief in myth. And it was myth that allowed us to act in units that are greater than 150. And that's how we overcame the Neanderthals, and who were actually just as smart, better adapted to the climate, uh, they were stronger physically and all the rest, but, some, but because of our belief in Homo sapiens' belief in myth, we were able to become the dominant species. So, and then Americans, I think, has gotten particularly bad because, you know, you've got this bastardization of religion to an absurd amount, and you've now got just far probably more fake news in America than any other country. We don't, I mean, if you watch Fox News in, Ameri in England, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be bad. Rupert Murdoch made his money in England by showing tits on newspapers. He made his money in America by coming up with fake news. Hmm. Yeah, I, I just. But people like um, in politics and and you know like people like Kellyanne Conway and and that that. Um, it's inexcusable. She's inexcusable. I mean, this is inexcusable for a woman at that position to be so supportive of what is now a highly misogynistic administration and Supreme Court. So the Supreme Court, um, Donald Trump making fun of the, um, the accuser of Kavanaugh. Mm -hmm. how, how does that influence um, 
how does that influence his party? That's what's confusing to me. Um, well, remember, I think that, I mean, I, I did not project that Donald Trump would win the election to become president, but I thought he'd become the nominee for the Republican Party, and I said that, like, when he began his campaign, like, 18 months before the election. And the reason why I was fairly comfortable he would win was, again, you go back to the math. Um, if you look at the Republican voters, you know, 67% of them are really uninformed and got various forms of bigotry inherent in their beliefs. And so really those people are going to want to vote for the, like, the worst possible candidate you can imagine. Now, at one point, that, and then there'll be, the rest would want to vote for a more traditional candidate, like a Catholic or what people think was a traditional candidate than Jeff, Jeb Bush. So you would, you would think it would be a Catholic against a Trump or, or, a, uh, or against uh, Ted Cruz or whatever. But what happened was that Trump proved himself to be more despicable than Ted Cruz. And he won because, you know, that's where he solidified that vote because, you know, more than half the Republican Party want the worst possible candidate to stick it to libtards. And that's a name. How did, how did libtards and liberals become so... Um, it's, just, it's, just, it's just an infantile, yeah. you know, play with words. That's all. That's, but that's all they've got. Uh, I mean, it's okay to have an infantile play with words if you can actually back it up with facts. But they, that's all they have, infantile plays with words with no facts. I'd be, I have a challenge on my website, on my Facebook page, where I offer, I'm so fed up waiting for an in, intelligent response to content I post, I now have a $5 gift certificate to anybody who will post something intelligent to content that I write, not my memes, which can be tongue-in-cheek, but I often I'll, I'll have a meme and then I'll attach my own personal content. So find something wrong with my own content and argue, debate with me intelligently and politely, and I will happily give that person a $5 gift card via PayPal. I'm waiting for an intelligent Trump enabler to debate with. I found it impossible over the last two years, so I have to create my own invented um, people to debate with. Because you can't find anybody Trump who could able to put string two facts together into a coherent form that are related to my content. They'll always go off. They get beaten on the content, and they'll just go off subject by talking. Oh, because then I suddenly say, "Well, Hillary killed you know, some sort of stupid conspiracy theory." Okay. You can't follow them down all the rabbit holes they lead you to. Mm. So, what does this say for what, what's going to come next? You know, because when you look at Trump after Trump, what if there is an well? Presumably, the you know the Democrats will win the Congress back, and there'll be some proper investigations. There's no doubt in my mind that the Trump Organization is a criminal organization. The New York Times just the other day revealed, sourced properly sourced, that they basically stole four hundred million dollars of taxpayer money. Um, and Trump was always, you know, he's gone, but he's a lousy businessman, there, by the way, but it's a criminal business activity, which will be easily, fairly easy to prove once you start investigating it. And once you start actually following through on, say, the New York Times piece that came out two weeks ago. Um, so, and then, of course, the whole Russian collusion thing. There's absolutely no doubt in anybody's mind that Putin and his people, uh, I forgot Russian intelligence, GRU, and I forgot what they were called beforehand, uh, KGB, um, They've had a file on Donald Trump since 1978. And of course, the guy's going to be the easiest person on the planet to build a file on to keep under Putin's thumb. Putin has one interest. His major foreign policy goal is to remove the Magnitsky Act, 
which is uh, ways of, because uh, about 10 years ago, I've forgotten when, you know, Putin was able to stimulate his own um, oligarchs, billionaires, by, giving, by putting one of those under a show trial and threatening everybody else. In return for their compliance, Putin gets to keep 50% of their profits. So he's now got compliant oligarchs, and, but the Mandisky Act is designed to undermine that power. And that's what's driving Putin mad. So whenever you hear these euphemisms for uh, uh, childcare, whatever, it's, ad adoptions and all the rest, it's actually Trump's, uh, Putin's people trying to get rid of the Magnitsky Act. And the, to show you how important that act is, in, in, in a stunning vote, like 98%, of, 98 senators out of 100 voted to strengthen the Magnitsky Act. The only people who didn't do it would have been Bernie Saunders, but Evan, and for some obscure reason about protecting the Iran deal, so it was a legitimate reason in his mind, and Rand Paul, who doesn't believe, you know, he's a libertarian, you know, sort of a rather juvenile Ayn Rindist. Um, but you basically had unanimity in the Senate. After, during Obama's time, this is, I think, during when Obama was president, he had unanimity on the Magnitsky Act, and that has not softened, and Trump has not been able to undermine that yet. Because every, everybody reads what really happened to Magnitsky, and the Senate and Foreign Intelligence Committee have got, have got the scoop, know that this is deadly serious. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's all laid out, and you can go and check, check what's going on. But that's what Putin is out to get, to remove the Magnitsky Act and stop other countries from adopting it. Hmm. So, so where is it going to go after Trump? Do you think Trump will get in 2020? Well, that's one reason why we, we're not that excited about um, What's the word? Impeachment. <laughs> because, you know, you just get Pence, who's as dumb as a doorpost and, and a religious fanatic, but a fake, but a fake Christian. Um, so, um, so I don't think that's good because he, he has the looks. You know, he, he, he has a certain, he has the camera, he has the looks, he can, be, he, he can be quiet and appear to be a reasonable guy. He's a professional talk radio host, so he knows how to spin a yarn. So he would, be, he would have been far more convincing in, in uh, unfolding Trump's agenda than Trump himself. So the thought of him being in charge is just as scary. But, you know, if Trump goes down with collusion and whatever, which I think is likely in some, some shape or form, you know, Pence is definitely implicated too. Pence has been lying about some of these things as well. He was more familiar about this stuff than he's letting on to. So what happens after that, I don't know. But do I think he's going to win the 2020 election? Yeah, people are talking about that. Uh, that that's just like a true nightmare unfolding. And I, I keep uh, asking Americans as well, like, you know, you look, it's not like we're not warned in every single dystopian movie you ever get to see, every single book written about the future, future societies, whether it's science fiction, Star Trek, or whatever it is, you, the hero, the good guy, is never a nascent Nazi, a nascent Nazi trying to eradicate minorities and, and women or whatever. There's, there's not a single story of, a good, of, the, of the hero of the piece in a dystopian novel, Saving Mankind, being a Trump-type person. It just doesn't happen. It's not going to happen. It can't happen because they are the problem. <laughs> yeah, it's, but yeah, it's hard to get his followers to to uh, realize what they're buying into. Well, they're being forced to look at themselves in the mirror right now, today, as more, as, as you've got a massacre in, in I think it's Illinois, with in the, the synagogue, which is a pattern. And, you know, you have to ask, you know, a blog today, ask a Trump supporter, show them a pattern, one, two, three, four, five, what is the next number? 
One bombing, one bombing, one bombing from their people. People, people, people. What's the pattern? Can you see what happens next? Can you see the pattern? And then start asking yourself, why do you believe all this nonsense that I can spell out in my book, um, Deliverance? If you go to the, one of the, the first index where I have 80 statistics showing just how massively uninformed Trump voters are. They have nothing. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, I just um, I'd like to see an alternative come up and and uh... well, I do have an alternative, which I'm not going to give in a soundbite because it's taken a lot of research and a lot of argument to 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 explain why I think there is some hope down the road and how it could be achieved. And that's what the final two chapters of deliverance is about. You know, I've had to write chapters leading to that conclusion in order to set up the theory. I had to write chapters about religion for a start. I had to write chapters about Christianity and I had to write about the Pope so people understood Christianity before I explained what a Christian needs to be. So everything's done for a purpose and I had to look at philanthropy and I had to look at like, what do horrible people give to, to money to, to, to give to in order to be called a philanthropist? So I study the, the numbers regarding philanthropy, and you, you'll see some interesting patterns there. And then I get to the real solution, which is called deliverance, in, this, in the penultimate chapter of the book, which explains how I think, by the year 2025, the pieces might be in place to allow the recovery of our democracy. Uh, well, what, what kind of feedback do you get um, from, from your books and from your website? Like, how are people reacting? Well... I look at the people, I look at the reactions and I will tell you one thing, nobody has ever found a fact to be incorrect, number one. The, the, I think the feedback is generally very positive. I, the one thing, the one criticism that I did get, which I took to heart, was in my first book I met with a, with a progressive author called Russ Baker, who had written this great book about family secrets, and I was looking for him to sort of endorse me and support me, and he, he didn't because he's he was upset by one sentence I'd written in my introduction in my first book where I'd been relatively polite about George Bush Sr. because I couldn't be bothered to investigate. I can't do everything. But then I read his book and I, I listened to his criticism of that one sentence and I realized he is right, that George Bush Sr. is the most Machiavellian president, president this country's ever had. I mean, it's true. I mean... And I, I, so I wrote a book later to, to undo that sin. It was called uh, Jeb Bush, Who is Jeb? Um, and it's her, her, and I, did, I used Jeb as a proxy to undo my error and to look into the Bush family. And what I found by both reading um, Russ Baker's book and also doing my own research was you had to be really careful not to go down thousands and thousands of conspiracy theory holes without and, and remain sane. So I had to write a book about Jeb Bush and his Bush family without ever resorting to conspiracy theories. Uh, I obviously, I infer that they may exist. I mean, we talk about the Kennedy assassination. I will let the readers figure that out, but I can tell you one thing. There's only one conspiracy theory about uh, Kennedy's assassination, and that was the absurd notion that uh, Oswald acted alone. Of he did not act alone. And once you figure that out, you can start seeing some patterns. You can, you can start getting a fairly good idea of what happened. I don't know precisely what happened. I could right. name eight people. I could name ten people who would be involved, and I'd be probably wrong about two or three of them, and which two or three I would have no idea. 
Hmm. Well, you know, I, I heard Ted Cruz's uh, dad did it. <laughs> it's, it's actually—I don't think he did. Having said, I haven't looked at him, but it's, it's actually not the most stupid thing that Trump has ever said. But it's not. But yet, you shouldn't say. You should never say something like that unless you can really back it up. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it, that just is typical. Uh, but there, uh, there's, there's, there is some notion of uh, the CIA cooperating with um, uh, people from Cuba at that time. Yeah. Well, you're, you're a very interesting guest. I'm, it's been a great discovery to find you. Um, <laughs> now, uh, let's talk about how people can get, like, we're going to have your books and website linked to the uh, ours as well, so people can just that follow us on the website or listen to the show that way. Just uh, click on, and you'll, you'll see all the books, and you'll, you can just uh, one-click shop. But what is your website? And um, n- name your books for listeners so they understand what you have. Okay, so the website is stupidpartyland, one word, dot com. Um, and the books are stu- uh, Stupid Party, Math, the Myth, Investigating the Forces, Destroying American Democracy. And, the, and then I, that was meant to be it. And then by accident, I found myself forced to write the Jeb Bush, Bush book. And then I thought, not long ago, two years ago, I'd written so much material in my blogs and I was worried about the first book becoming like a bit long in the tooth or less relevant. So to make those other two books relevant, I wanted to create this trilogy, which really explains the, the path America's been on from 1948, maybe even before, through to 2025, so that the books remain sort of fresh and poignant with a story arc that covers probably everything you need to know about the Republican Party. Uh, and that final book is called Deliverance from Stupid Party Land, How to Eradicate the Destructive Forces Destroying American Democracy. Wow. Amazing. Um, again, this has been great. Uh, I've really enjoyed having you. And um, our guest has been uh, Patrick Adendell. Um, and stupid, stupidpartyland.com is his website. Like I said, everything will be up on our website. Um, thanks for talking to me. Well, thank you very much for allowing me to voice some of my thoughts today of all days, which is sort of a combination of a lot of things that I've been talking about. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.